Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So Welcome to the Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined as always by the kid. The thug, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live from somewhere in the depths, the bowels of the TD Garden, as the Celtics win a close fourth quarter game against the Charlotte Hornets. They topple the great Nick Friedman and his uh, up and down offense, and all of a sudden I look up and the Celtics have won 10 of their last 14 where the hell did this come from, Jay? It's good vibes. These are the <laughs> vibes you've always wanted. It surprised me. It caught me by surprise. This is the basketball you've always wanted. And, and look, it's been against bad teams. The Hornets didn't have Gordon Hayward. They're not great in the first place. Their defense is just not very good. However, that said, this is the best basketball, the best stretch of basketball the Celtics have had dating back to the, the beginning of last season. And I feel like I'm overreacting because I'm in the middle of it, but also like thinking back to the beginning of last season, there haven't been many good extended stretches and especially good extended stretches where the Celtics are sharing the ball. They've had 30 assists in three of their last five games matching the amount of times they had done that in the rest of the season to that date. They have scored a lot more points. They're getting to the rim. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are being willing passers to the point where Marcus Smart called back, hearkened back to to the comment he said that set everyone on fire in in the beginning of the season when he said that, that Tatum and Brown, that everyone plays them to pass and they don't want to pass. And and he brought that back up and said, now they're doing a phenomenal job. So Celtics are starting to feel themselves a little bit. And, you know, this it really is structurally and just the way they're playing stylistically. I think this is the best basketball they've had since the beginning of last season. Are you with I'm, me there? I I mean, it's definitely the best stretch they've had uh, in a long time. I think I've seen them play better games, but and the, the week schedule is the week schedule. You you got to beat the bad teams, but ten and fourteen is damn impressive. I'm going to be very reductionist here and just say they're not playing drastically different than they were earlier in the season. They're just making a lot more shots now. 
Like you, I, I think that is a very bad take. I told you it was reductionist. Um, I like it's clearly not the only reason, but like the fact that Josh Richardson came in tonight and knocked down what was it six of seven, and that was a major difference than uh, the game against the Hornets they played two weeks ago, and they only made thirty percent of their threes. I think it was like the Hornets made a, a very concerted decision to get the ball out of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's hands and basically just leaving guys wide open in the corner, even in like the short corner when it's only one pass away, they were just leaving basically Richardson, Grant Williams, Al Horford wide open. And I think the Celtics, they made those shots and that was a huge portion of the game. They still had a, a, a pretty bad offensive fourth quarter in terms of just the quality of looks they were getting. But I think the just pure three-point making, especially from Richardson, really saved them in this game. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly helps when supporting cast hits threes. But but that makes the assist goes up. That makes the ball movement look better. But what, watching this team reminds me of something Brad Stevens once said. Which is that oh, old ancient Brad wisdom. A, a great shooting team is a great passing team. And Ooh, I think p- part of the reason the, the three-point percentage was as low as it was earlier in the season was on top of having the bad shooters, sometimes the passes were a little late. Sometimes they weren't on target. Sometimes like guys were really trying to force it through double teams and whatnot, and there wasn't rhythm to the offense. And that's where I feel like the difference is where earlier in the season, you know, the, there was no rhythm to the Celtics offense and there's been a rhythm lately. I think there's been a lot more pace. They've, they've talked about that a lot. I think Marcus Smart, obviously, since he came back from health and safety protocols has been just really damn good. And, and it just feels like it does feel like, and maybe it's because of the schedule. Maybe it's, getting healthy maybe it's a combination of a lot of different factors if if there's one thing that this should do for the Celtics and seems to have done for the Celtics beating up on bad teams they're getting more confident and I think you can see that a little bit like there's a little bounce in their step that that they didn't have earlier this season yeah they definitely have uh, kind of if you be the body language doctor slump their shoulders a little bit uh, earlier in the year, especially in fourth quarters. I think that was one of the things that made this win tonight against the Hornets um, one of the more impressive ones against the stretch. One, the Hornets, despite their having absolutely no defense and despite them not having Gordon Hayward, they still have the second best offense in the league. And LaMelo was just playing out of his gourd, uh, just fantastic he basketball. He's he was so fun to watch. He was amazing. Um, just another... Nick Freeman disciple, a young guard molded uh, by the quickest kid in Cambridge. But that's not the point. I got I got distracted too easily to try to make my Nick Freeman agenda. But we've seen on this recent winning streak or this recent kind of winning games where it's been Jalen and Jason combining for each of them scoring 30 points or each of them being over 25. And the offense really flowed through them. And I thought tonight's win was especially impressive. One, because it wasn't those two guys scoring all the points. It was those two guys making plays. I think they each had over uh, five assists. Uh, Tatum finished with six. Yeah, Jalen, they each had six assists. Oh, no, Tatum had nine assists. That's wild. Um, Jalen had a little bit more turnovers, a little bit uh, less uh, careful with the basketball. 
But the fact that other guys stepped up and made plays and that they trusted them to make plays, I thought was a good sign for the Celtics because you're not always going to get 30 points from both of the Jays. I mean, also a good sign that those the guys were able to score 30 points a game um, in some of the uh, games against weaker opponents. But the fact that other guys stepped up and someone like Richardson, someone like Grant Williams came in, knocked down shots. Al Horford made two three-pointers, which is not something Al Horford's been used to be doing this uh this year, I just thought it was a, a good sign there. And then the second thing is that they won a close fourth quarter game, which is something we know they have struggled to do uh, really for the past two and a half years. I still don't think it was the greatest fourth quarter. Uh, well, it was not. It, it was not have been a close fourth quarter game. They gave up an eight point lead with three minutes to go rather quickly, mostly because Jason Tatum got very frustrated and uh, gave up a turnover and then got a technical foul. But... Uh, they did manage to pull it out. I mean, Robert Williams' block at the end of the game was just so badass. Uh, but winning a close game late when you don't have your two stars going is just not a part of the formula that I thought the Celtics had in their bag, this, uh, especially to start this year. So it's just nice to see them uh, kind of pull this game out despite uh, having a, a, an atrocious fourth. Yeah, and after Tatum had that technical... Ime Udoka kind of pulled everyone in, the the guys who were on the floor. And I don't know what he said, but I imagine it was something like, <laughs> I imagine it was motherfuckers, me. <laughs> we are not fucking doing this fucking shit again. Fuck all you guys. If you think you're going to fucking do that fucking shit again. And uh, so that would be. That's paraphrasing. Just, just my guess for what he said. <laughs> he looked pretty mad. And Marcus Smart looked over at him. And Marcus Smart I, looked like he was going to argue something. Then he just kind of nodded his head. He was like, yeah, yeah, what you said, man. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> good point, good point. Um, and they, from that point on, they were pretty good. Um, I mean, they still, had to, said, they still had to put up with Tito three sticks, Mr. Clutch. That was, that was some outrageous uh, shot making by him. Yeah, that, on that play, the coaches were telling Robert Williams exactly what was going to happen. And then he was—he still didn't react the way he should have. But then he, he redeemed himself, and then some on on the last block that he had. And then Jalen on the the final possession read it perfectly, played it perfectly. Like those are the, the game plan moments, the execution of the game plan. Celtics haven't always done that, um, so obviously it shouldn't have been as close as it was. But for them to to kind of dig deep the way they did and and in those moments uh, focus in and and have that attention to detail I think was important. Um, and then you said, as you said, like it wasn't the best night for Tatum and and Brown, but the, the, down the stretch, you know, the Celtics had that one possession, like they did nothing right. Jalen got an ISO at the end of the shot clock after they tried and tried to get better offense and hit a really tough shot. Then they work it to Tatum at the free throw line. He makes a really strong move and gets fouled and and just kind of helps helps to let the Celtics overcome themselves and the Hornets at the same time. So it wasn't a smooth fourth quarter at all, um, but they made the plays when they needed to, which is probably progress for this team. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Brown had a huge hop offensive rebound and put back late. I thought he did a good job also uh, drawing a charge. Um, he took a charge. 
He took a big charge against uh, Plumley, I believe. Plumley pulled down 17 boards tonight, which is uh, kind of wild. The, the, the Hornets just need a respectable big man because they're starting like – if they could just play, I guess if Gordon Hayward is healthy and they just went small, that's kind of what they did in the first game. But it just makes you feel for you know Nick Freeman just trying to trying to coach a team with no uh, no big man and no defense. It's it's tough life. God, now, that's, that's disrespectful to Plumley. Uh, you're uh, the number one Plumley respecter. Logging on is that is that what the position you're trying to go for right now? Yes, he is not a, a good. I'm not going to say he's not a good basketball player, but he's not what the Charlotte Hornets need. He's part of the reason they have one of the worst defenses in the league. No, we were saying, actually, um, when he was out there, just LaMelo deserves a lob threat. Like, like he really deserves a lob threat. Someone should pair him with Robert Williams at some point in his career. Maybe when Robert Williams makes the all-star team this year, who knows? Who knows? Now, the Celtics are 28 and 25, three games over 500, which I think is the largest margin uh, they've had this entire season. I mentioned 10 out of the uh, last 14. They still find themselves in ninth place, which just shows you how bad a position they were in. But they're certainly trending in the right direction. The only problem is the Atlanta Hawks are trending in the right direction. Toronto Raptors are trending in the right direction. Even I would say the Charlotte Hornets um, are trending in the right direction. So they haven't made that much progress in terms of the standings, but they're still they they're playing solid basketball and they have a lot of easy opponents coming up. I think they play the Detroit Pistons four more times in the remaining thirty games of the season, which is absolutely wild. If, uh, if you had to guess, how many charges had Jalen Brown drawn before? the play in the fourth quarter all season yes two one that was his second of the season hot damn yeah that's just not a, a real Jalen move um so kudos to him I guess he I mean he had a, a tough game with all his turnovers but still wow. making an impact and Marcus Smart was so happy when <laughs> took that charge <laughs> he leaned down and got directly in his like put his put his forehead right into Jalen Brown's forehead. It was it was really a touching moment. A, a touching moment. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good turn of phrase you got right there. That's a that's good stuff. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Now, I think the question for me is that we also saw a bunch of uh, I guess trade rumors come out today um, from. Jared Weiss of The Athletic, I think, was talking about a possible deal for Richardson and or Schroeder. And then there was also Jake Fisher. Bleacher Report talked about maybe Dennis Schroeder to the Bulls for Troy Brown Jr., which is a real nothing salary dump move. But I think the thing that's interesting about this latest stretch is that Ime has just completely abandoned the young guys. Ime has found his eight guys he's going to play. And he's going to ride them for the entire game. And I was like, fine with me. It was only uh, 16 minutes of Dennis Schroeder tonight. And he couldn't uh, he couldn't hurt the team. But he's only played about 16 or 17 minutes in each of the last four or five games. So but it feels like they found the kind of the, the, the formula that they like. And that includes 
And I think this might be matchup dependent just because, uh, as mentioned, the Hornets don't really have bigs. But closing with Richardson tonight to go with the kind of the core four, obviously his shooting, his defense, I thought his cutting was pretty uh, phenomenal tonight. Do you see them? Like I th- think the Schroeder trade kind of makes sense because they have an obvious person they can slide in with Peyton Pritchard where I don't think it's going to really affect that much. Like losing 16 minutes to Dennis and replacing that with 16 minutes to Peyton Pritchard, I don't really think changes uh, the team drastically. Um, but what are your thoughts on kind of moving Richardson at this point? And Because um, I was kind of surprised to see him his name included in deals, uh, I guess, at this point in the season, just because it feels like he's been a pretty decent and valuable basketball player for them, uh, at least through 50 games. Well, I think, I think honestly, it, it seems like an overreaction. But I, I do think that this stretch – will give Brad Stevens a little more to think about heading into the trade deadline. Because you look up now, and Celtics have been awful in fourth quarters. They took a long time to kind of adapt to what Ime Odoka wanted. Um, and they they probably bought in a lot more now on the offensive end, whereas defensively it's been great all season. They have a net rating of 3.4, which is almost the same as the Memphis Grizzlies net rating, except the Grizzlies are seven and a half games better. Um, And when you look at the totality of that, and obviously some of that is skewed a little bit by a couple of the blowout wins recently. But when the the, the Kings 50 point win really did a lot for their stats, really juiced the stats. But when you look at the totality of it, uh, their starting lineup has been dynamite like really freaking good one of the best lineups in the league when healthy they after a season and a half really of 500 basketball they are finally hitting a little bit of a rhythm Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are experiencing a little bit more joy and it's been a tough season and a half for those guys and I think if if you do make changes beyond like dumping shooter or whatever. Um, maybe you, you could throw Josh Richardson in there, even though he's been good and he's been consistently solid for them this season. Um, but to screw with what is finally looking like a solid basketball team and a basketball team that's trending in the right direction and a basketball team that is – honestly like producing a little bit of like the good vibes <laughs> we'll, we'll, wow. we'll go you've, vibes. you've been you've been fully indoctrinated with it you're drinking the green kool-aid being in the building that, tonight that was that was just for you no but seriously <laughs> like it, it has been a tough season and a half like jason tatum and jalen brown have dealt with a lot of criticism because the celtics haven't been good enough and i do think like it's not going to be the only factor for brad stevens but I do think, like, it probably matters to him that finally, like, things are going right for this team and finally they're playing pretty good basketball. And to break that up would be, like, like it would be harder to do that now on, on the people left in the locker room than it would have been two weeks ago. 
And I, uh, I, think I mean, I, I don't know if the trading Dennis is really going to ruin the vibe trade. No, no, um, I, I wasn't saying that. Um, I, I do think that that's probably something that they'll look to do if they can do it. Um, if if they can find a, a, a proper taker without um, taking back more money, if they can get under the luxury tax and do it, I think um, they'll at least examine that. But um, like beyond that, if you're going to move a core piece or whatever, like I think that could be tough on the guys in the locker room who are left because finally they're playing pretty good basketball. And like they bought into Ime Udoka and success is – has come their way. And even if it's, it's not against the right schedule, like they're playing with the type of habits that Udoka wants. And I, I remember what year was it? The year, I think it was a year that they traded for Isaiah. And that year, like they were right around 500 entering the trade deadline, but, but one, like four out of five or five out of six right before the deadline. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. But I remember Brad saying either right before the deadline or right after it that he was very happy that the group mostly stayed together because they were starting to resemble, like, what he wanted. And and that was when they had, like, Jay Crowder and Evan Turner and Marcus Smart um, and then they added Isaiah to it at the trade deadline. Got better after that, obviously. But but he could see the progress that they've made. And, and I feel like it's in a similar place right now where obviously the record isn't great. Obviously they're in eighth or ninth place, whatever it is, headed for probably the play-in tournament. But there's progress, and it's substantial progress. And it's the type of progress that – that you can really build from. Um, so I, I, I really do believe that, that he sh- will and should keep that in mind um, at the trade deadline. And maybe I'm crazy to think that after, you know, blowing out like the Kings and shit. But, but you're feeling the good vibes. You're riding the good vibes. Of, uh, no, I, I just think, <laughs> I just think no, matter who, no matter who they're playing, it's just better basketball, better b- brand of basketball than they've played over the past season and a half. I think it's I think it's interesting to and I think we'll learn a lot about Brad as he heads into his first kind of trade deadline about how much he takes from his coaching experience um, and now as the president of basketball operations because he mentioned like he really appreciates the growth of those players in the season and their ability to come together and gel and kind of be what he uh, I guess envisioned initially. And I think we talked last week about how Ime has grown as a coach. And I think we've seen that this Celtics team, I think StatMuse had the, one of their graphics about how since Christmas, the Celtics have had the best defense in the league in terms of um, defensive efficiency and defensive uh, field goal percentage against. So like they really, yeah, they've had the best defensive rating and field goal percentage defense in the NBA since Christmas. And so the team really has kind of made strides, especially on the defensive end and uh, is playing better basketball. And I do think it would be a mistake at this point to trade anyone but Dennis. And I'm shocked I'm hearing myself say that right now uh, just because for where I was uh, so out on Richardson to start the year. And maybe it's colored from the fact that Richardson uh, was so good from three 
this year or from this game. But I think a reason that they have uh, one of the better defenses in the league right now is because they have their core four. And then their two next bench guys are Al Horford, who's just feels like he's always making the right decision on defense. And then Josh Richardson, who I think does a very good job on the perimeter and plays intense defense, gets into the ball. Like there's a reason why the Celtics are playing better basketball. I think it all starts on the defensive end. And I think if you go beyond the starters, a lot of their kind of like strength is that they never, especially if in playing kind of the, the shorter rotation that they have, those top, top six guys playing 30 minutes a night, like you're going to have a pretty solid defensive lineup um, no matter who you play out of those guys. And so I think it's uh, – I don't know. I think one hesitation is like I don't think they're going to like make – be able to make like a big trade that gets – basically a shooter in there or a kind of a, a starting power forward for the Celtics. Like I just I've been looking at the same kind of trade rumors that everyone else has for the last uh, couple of weeks. I don't think they're going to trade for Harrison Barnes. I don't think they're going to like add some long-term salary. And so um, I think a big trade is unrealistic. And, so, and I don't think it's really worth it to kind of give up those top six guys right now. Um, just because the team is playing a, a lot better basketball, Keeping them right now, keeping Richardson, keeping Horford, at least until the offseason, I don't think it's going to tank whatever flexibility you have because I think both of those guys with Horford's contract and Richardson, one being non-guaranteed, one um, just kind of having uh, one year left on the deal, like I don't think it, it ruins their flexibility. And so all you have to do is trade Dennis, bing, boom, bam. You're you're a, a mover and a shaker. You're a team that might make some noise in the playoffs. No one wants to play the Celtics in the first round, especially if you're if you're one of those top seeds. And that's the crazy thing about the Eastern Conference. What, three games separates the top six seeds? We have actually zero idea what the seeding is going to be. And so they could play if they, uh, assuming they're kind of don't make it into the top six themselves, which – now you got to be talking talking loco with all the good vibes you've been spreading, Jay. It's it's the funniest stat of the season right now. The Celtics have a better net rating than the Bucks, the 76ers, the Bulls, and the Nets. Is that all just like their tor- horrible close losses and like the blowout against the Kings? Like how do you explain that? Yeah, they, I mean they they've had a bunch of blowout wins recently that have that have juiced that up. But even before then, they were badly underperforming um, their net rating. The the close losses have been just dreadful. So and and they don't really get blown out a lot. Um, like most of their losses are pretty close, probably because their defense is generally very good. Um, but yeah, and and I don't mean like when I'm talking about how this stretch might impact Brad Stevens's plans. I don't mean like. This is you look at this team and think, okay, this is our this is our championship contender. Like, let's keep this by all means, whatever the cost. Like, no, if you can find a way to position yourselves to have a better chance at contending in the future, sure, go for it. But I think that's going to be very difficult, considering that getting under the luxury tax is probably one of their priorities, um, and they won't be able to add salary. And some of their bigger tools, the trade exceptions, are probably more useful or more realistic to use uh, in the off season. So I, I just think, you know, from from a standpoint of of all that stuff, like making 
one small move to get under the tax and then seeing what this group can do that that has looked much better lately um really since you know the start of january Ime Odoka, coach coach of the year nomin- nomination or coach of the month nomination coach right? of the month i was going to say coach of the coach year is a coach of the month yeah coach, there is a bit of a not yet not yet um i'm just so looking at basketball it. reference right now and they have a stat called pythagorean wins and it's where you do a squared plus b squared equals wins um it's actually just like that's exactly how you <laughs> it's expected that, wins that based some, that was some weird smart people human <laughs> that was just flexing yeah i'm sorry i know who pythagoras is uh, i know so a little property of sorry i know about a little bit of algebra wants to brag about his brain yeah, bro. I mean, I, I was going to be a math major in college, and then I got uh, to linear algebra, and I walked out Where'd after you get on 15 your SATs, minutes. Bro, never took the SATs. I took the ACTs and just did so phenomenally that I didn't have to take another standardized test. What kind of lunatic school did you go to that doesn't take the SATs? Uh, Beaver Country Day School, located in a beautiful Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. Sounds like a bunch of Schweens probably went there. Oh. Tremendous amount of Swedes, an enormous amount of Swedes. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, w- I was present in my senior like senior class. I, it, it was a, it was the capital of Swedes. But Pythagorean wins is basically expected wins based on your net rating um, and your points score and points allowed. It says the Celtics should have a basically a record if you like looked at just their statistics of thirty two and twenty, and so that is many games. Four games better than they currently have right now. So they're certainly playing. I I, uh, I just looked up Schween on Urban Dictionary. Is it offensive? It's a penis, especially an erect one. <laughs> so I, I take that back. Well, I'm glad you fact-checked. That's fantastic stuff, Jay. That's why uh, you're a journalist. I was ready to just march on uh, to talk about Pythagorean wins. Um, I take that back. I thought that was a word that my college roommate made up. And you thought your college roommate made up Schween? It doesn't sound like a real word. I mean, it sounds like a, something you would uh, call a nerd or a geek. I didn't realize it was so phallic in nature, but it's definitely your roommate didn't make it up. <laughs> I, th- I thought he had I, <laughs> until right this moment. And, well, uh, there we go. There, there we sorry. go. I'm sorry for using offensive, offensive language. I'm not going to apologize for uh, what I've said, and I stand by it. Um, <laughs> I guess the interesting thing is, like for the Celtics, they are playing better basketball, best defense on the league since Christmas. I think we're both agreeing right now that it's unlikely for them to make a kind of a big move, except for when they trade uh, Dennis Schroeder for Nick Batum. Um, which would be a phenomenal move in my book. Um, I'm for it 10 out of 10 times. Someone tweeted at me the other day. Um, don't think the Clippers would actually just do that, but the Clippers are in the market for a point guard. Uh, but they just want to trade uh, Marcus Morris, who's making – did you know Marcus Morris was making $15 million a year this year? And shooting like 50% from three. Is that is that worth $15 million? I saw like the initial report like – Clippers looking for point guard, willing to give up Morris, Abaca, and I think Eric Bledsoe. And then I looked at the salaries of those. (laughs) 35.6%. 
that feels like much lower than Marcus Morris's forty-seven point three. So I don't think the Celtics are going to be trading for Bledsoe, Mook, or Ibaka just because who wants those salaries? So Nick Batum might be uh, a little bit nicer, but. Other than the Schroeder trade getting under the tax, I don't really see them making a big move. I think the question is, like, one, can they continue the good vibes and what does that look like for them um, moving forward? Is it is the goal is just to kind of gel with this team and try to just, like, make a run, kind of like what the Hawks did last year? Uh, it's just kind of continue to kind of see what this team looks like with that core four and maybe uh, some, some guys around it. Um, what is the, what is the goal of the Celtics over these next 30, 25 games to kind of like figure out what they have for the rest of the season? I think it's not just about the rest of the season. And obviously like you don't write off this season yet because you've still got Jason Tatum. You still got Jalen Brown. You still got, like I said, a starting lineup that has just kind of destroyed teams whenever healthy. Um, but I think, honestly, it's more about building habits and championship turning, habits. Yeah, and turning Tatum and Brown from, you know, guys who can get their own to guys who can lift everyone else around them and continuing to to see what you have with Marcus Smart at point guard and to see what you have with Robert Williams when he's playing alongside you know, another big man and to see what you have in Grant Williams. And if you trade Dennis Schroeder to see what you have in Peyton Pritchard. Um, And I just think it's about getting guys to buy in. And we've seen it a lot, man. Like you can, teams can really benefit from, from the strides they make one season and carrying them into the next. You know, obviously the Suns got Chris Paul, um, after they finished eight, no in the bubble, but like those habits carried over, like the, like, I just feel like there's teams every year that even the Warriors last year, like the last 30 games, they went from being like a 500 team to all of a sudden they were playing like one of the better teams in the league by the end of the season. And they didn't even make the, the playoffs. They got beaten the playing tournament, but it carried over. And a lot of the progress showed up this year. And I just feel like like there are cases like that every year where sometimes you don't you don't get it at the beginning of the season and you don't gel right away. And especially in the Celtics case with a new coach, a new system, like it can be tough to learn all that stuff. Um, but I do feel like over the next 30 games, whatever it is, like there's a chance to, to build those habits and to to really use this as a springboard, um, and I, I feel like like it, it's it's been a long time coming for those guys. You know, like the this year and a half has been tough on a lot of guys, and it's been frustrating. And so if if you can feel experience a little success and start to build on that, I feel like it could go a long way. So you're saying this team is uh, maybe focused on growth and maybe their mindset is focused. Some would say, some would say uh, focused on constant incremental progress towards the larger goal of becoming that championship team and maybe not treating 
this season as a uh, focusing on the results of this season and really focusing on the long-term growth of these players, not just as basketball players, but as human beings in general. Um, would you say that's that's what this team's all about? I would say there's still a Kaizen mindset. It's still I – was, I was walking past the practice facility the other day. Uh, I was on a personal crusade to try to convince Brad during the blizzard that uh, he needed to trade Dennis. But um, – <laughs> While I was getting detained and pulled away from the Celtics practice facility, I did look up and notice that Kaizen is still posted or still painted on the, one of the steel beams uh, located in the Celtics practice facility. So the president of basketball operations, uh, he still has a, a trickle-down Kaizen approach to the entire team. Uh, we've officially got into a nonsense land with all this uh, yeah, you're pretending like, like you were <laughs> – like attacking the Celtics practice facility. It was more of a, a polite siege. Hostage. No, I mean, I couldn't even get in the building. The security was so good. Um, but I did try. Um, right now, I mean, I feel like, uh, shout out to the, the oh, 36 people out there um, here in the live room. It's opportunity now. If you want to hop on stage, uh, we'll talk to you, give you a chance to ask us some questions, give us some statements. Oh, the, the boards are filling up. This reminds me of my old radio days. Let's go to Christopher L. right now, see what he wants to say about the Celtics. Christopher L., how's it going? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now remember, folks, if you are high, the mute button moves when you join us on live stage. So uh, don't uh, if you are intoxicated or uh, under the influence of drugs, Remember that the mute button moves. So Christopher L, we're gonna have to have you try that again. We'll go to Richard D. Richard, how are you doing? Richard, number one Aaron Meesness stand in all the land, joining us from South Carolina. How are you doing? You got it, you got it. And you know what? I'm not even mad. Like <laughs> I'm really liking this run. Like, you know, the whole point is to win games, right? Um, but it's funny to see and I think Jay mentioned earlier about shortening this bench. Just kind of caught my attention that both teams only played eight people. When Boston came to Charlotte, um, it, it was a different game. And as you know, they, the Celtics gave it away at the end. But um, I, I will say it just feels different. There's something good going on here. And they're kind of figuring out how to how to win at the end. So I'm, I'm optimistic. And, you know, look, Aaron didn't get any run. Tonight, that's all right. I, I was curious. I did read what what um the the guy wrote about the 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 possible three way trade or whatever it was with Malik Beasley that in Minnesota got turned down. But 
Right, what are you hearing about um, about the young players? It doesn't. It just doesn't make sense to me as a business person to pay that kind of money, show a little bit of promise, and then just like not play them again. You needed to win tonight, so getting, that didn't bother me at all. I like this little winning streak, but uh, at some point, you got to trust your roster when you, when you got to get to the playoffs. But then you got to have depth. And the last thing I'll say is Jay wrote an article. I want to say last week about the tempo, right? They're picking up the tempo and they're starting to win. It just seems kind of ironic. They're picking up the tempo, and it's like a Bobby Kremens roster. You're gonna you're gonna press. I love the the Bobby Kremens reference. Yeah, you're right. You're you're shortening your roster and you're and you're and you're raising the tempo and it's working. It doesn't seem to make sense, but it is working. Yeah, the the shortening of the rotation is interesting uh, because Udoka has said a couple of times that when the Celtics get healthy, he wants to use more guys, use more of the depth. Um, but I I do think that he's liking the way they're playing right now, and and he doesn't really want to tinker with that. And he thinks that Grant Williams has been good and Josh Richardson has been good and Schroeder, although he's had his struggles off the bench lately, he's been productive. Um, so I, I, I think he's just kind of riding that right now while they're playing so well. I think if they start struggling, maybe he'll go deeper into the bench. Um, and I do think trade deadline could bring at least one change um, to that eight-man rotation. And if Schroeder does get traded, then all of a sudden Pritchard will have minutes freed up. And all of a sudden, you know, may- maybe they go with more wing lineups and just have Tatum handle point guard sometimes and use Neesmith or Lankford. Uh so I, I do think that there's a possibility that at the trade deadline they open up minutes for some of the young guys because, like like you said, Richard, like last year Pritchard was good all season. Neesmith really came on at the end of the season. This year, for whatever reason, various reasons, those guys either haven't been able to show a lot or haven't shown a lot. And I, I do think that the Celtics could use those guys. Um, but right now, like you said, the, there's just a different energy to the Celtics. The, just the way they're playing is a lot different than it was earlier in the year. One thing to bring up another Bradism is that just because they're not playing doesn't mean they're not improving. And so um, that, I don't know how much of that is coach speak because if they were really improving, you think they might be playing. But um, I think the Celtics uh, young guys, the opportunity, like they could be showing more in practice. We saw Neesmith go to Maine um I think it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, you you kind of like to see those guys if they're not going to play. If, if uh, Ime is really going to shorten the roster to like just get some playing time, but I don't know. I think dealing one of the like either Romeo or Neesmith for Malik Beasley at this point is um, I'm going to say it. I, I'm going to say it's poppycock. Like Malik Beasley, uh, the owner of a 37 percent field goal percentage this year, uh, just doesn't really seem worth it. Uh, if you're going to make a trade, I think that player needs to automatically be a top seven rotation guy. It doesn't make sense to me right now to just like give up assets to kind of tinker around the, the edges of this roster. And I just don't see that deal really being out there for the Celtics. And so, um, I do think there's going to be opportunities for Romeo and opportunities for Neesmith and Hopefully, fingers crossed, a lot more opportunities for Peyton Pritchard uh, once, knock on wood, Dennis is traded. But um, 
I don't know. It's it's it is interesting to see that uh, Ime has shortened the bench, but you can't really uh, argue with results. And before we go to the next uh, next caller, I just want to say for those who are uninformed out there, Bobby Kremens, nineteen uh, year coach at Georgia Tech, uh, and then was the coach at uh, College of Charleston. So you just had to Google that. I know you didn't know that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, there's no way I knew off the top of my head the 19 years that Bobby Kremens, uh, you know, from the Bronx, New York. Uh, Bobby Kremens was a legend, man. Nobody needs to know. Nobody needs you to tell them who Bobby Kremens was. Okay. Uh, well, you know what? If you if you want to join the call and let it, me know how stupid I am for not knowing Bobby Kremens immediately, feel free. Um, right now it is uh, – we're going to Kyle C., Kyle, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, good. Uh, thanks for the shout out. Currently uh, not on drugs, so uh, check one there. Current, also, also <laughs> shout out to Pythagoras, Pythagorean theorem. I'm actually a high school math teacher myself. Hell yeah! I teach geometry, so love the a squared plus b squared equals c squared reference. Oh, anyway, do you like do you do you like acute angles more or obtuse angles? Uh, oh, I love me a little acute angle. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a um, right angle guy. <laughs> oh, you would be. You would be, you square. Oh! And okay. a little bit of a, a different uh, reaction to tonight's game. I like the way we played in the first half, basically the first three quarters. I mean, Richardson played well. Um, but I feel like once we got to the fourth quarter, it just seemed like it was like the same old Celtics all over again. Like the ball was moving. Everything was good. Like Grant was hitting Richardson on back cuts. Like ball was moving. And then like as soon as like crunch time came around, like um, Lamella Ball just put the clamps on Tatum. Ball stopped. Nobody moved, and uh, it just like it was so frustrating to watch to see that like all of our problems that we've had all year just kind of all materialized once more. And it just feels like that's what playoff basketball is like when that uh, kind of the rubber meets the road and the the pace stops in the fourth quarter. It's like so to see that happen and see it become a close game at the end. There, it was just kind of frustrating to see all those things pop up. What do you guys make of that? Is that just kind of what this team is, or? It's yeah. a it's a fair point. I mean, it wasn't the best fourth quarter uh, of basketball. Certainly, in the last three or five minutes, uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't good looking offense. It was not good looking offense. Um, part of it was that they weren't getting stops either. And it's one thing to go against a set defense every time, and I think Celtics can be stagnant, obviously, in the fourth quarter at times. But yeah, I mean, they've they've got to figure out fourth quarters. And it's it's something that has plagued them all year. Um, I do wonder sometimes if they should go back to the starting lineup. But the Hornets are not really a team you can try that against because they go super small. And it would be a lot of pressure on Horford, Robert Williams to guard those guys on the perimeter. So maybe tonight that wasn't the right matchup to try that. But I do wonder sometimes if, if they should go back to that starting lineup, which has been really good. And... And maybe, you know, run more offense through Marcus Smart rather than just having Tatum initiate everything as they do a lot of the time down the stretch. Um, I think so. in the the fourth quarter, it was interesting to me. They had a very solid run around, like, I think, like the seven-minute mark where they call a timeout and then they came off and basically just ran Tatum high pick and rolls with Rob setting the screen and Tatum attacked Plumlee and got it going to the rim. And I think got two consecutive buckets. And that was really kind of solid fourth quarter late game execution basketball that I think they can do more of. 
then after that, it kind of led to isolation where it's just Tatum going against LaMelo for consecutive possessions. And that really did not work out. And so maybe, maybe just more high pick and roll with Tatum and Robert Williams. And then kind of messes with Richardson out there. And so surrounding that with Richardson, Jalen and Smart, who, you know, it's not the, the, not the Splash Brothers out there, but certainly the better shooters on your team. Um, I think it's a better option. I do think it got a little ISO heavy late. Uh, and then Terry Rozier just hit some crazy threes and Tatum was frustrated with the fouls. It, it wasn't the best game, but um, Kyle, I think you, maybe you you do need to be on drugs because the Celtics have won 10 of 14 and we I just don't like the negativity. Uh, and so... Um, <laughs> It's a fair point. It's an objective point. And you know what? Um, but I just don't want to focus he, on that right now. He's probably a tough grader, man, in his math class. What do you mean, Matt? Like, Matt, you should get the right answer. You don't. That's come some classic Jay King begging for some extra extra no, credit no. showing your work. He's he's probably one of the, those guys who has you show your work. And if you don't show your work, he, he's going to mark you off. Like, even if you get the right answer. Oh, so every every math teacher ever? What do you mean? He's one of those guys who makes you show your work. I, if you're doing I, a calculus, I didn't, I didn't need to show my work. You know why? I did it all in my head. You did calculus in your head. I was a math math champion, New England math champion, 2001. What's the uh, derivative of two x squared plus three x minus seven? Three. Incorrect. Just not even in the remotely in the ballpark. We're talking about a parabola here. So there was multiple X's. You are not a math major. Uh, you did not show your work. I and I award you, I I math, you math champion. zero math points. <laughs> and we're going to move on to Jonathan R. to get us out of this uh, horrendous math discussion. Jonathan R., thank you for waiting. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Jonathan. Hey, fellas. Two uh, things real quick. Hey, I don't know who Bobby Kermans is, and Matt sucks. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of addressed all my stuff, so I want, I'm just going to leave you with that. So, uh, have and a good Matt night. sucks. <laughs>
<laughs> perfect call. A perfect <laughs> call really from really Jonathan R. Matt, Matt does, does suck. Oh, uh, I don't know how we're going to top that. We're going to try with Ben D. Uh, <laughs> ben, how's it going? Hey, guys. Hey, uh, first off, big fan of the show. Um, Thank you, man. But also, I have no idea who Bobby Kremens is. Um, <laughs> and the derivative is 4X plus who are these people? Nailed it. Nailed Whoa. it. Ben D got the cl- easy derivative question. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on now. Uh, but I, the, the one thing I, I wanted to ask you all about, and knowing full well that this is never going to happen, but I was wondering if you guys had seen John Collins' trade rumors and what you thought about them. Because I've seen a couple of different sites post stuff about it, and I thought that was that would be pretty sick. Even though to the again, Celtics, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Well, how they'd have to give out, I guess, Horford to match salary, but I don't know. I'm, you're you're listening to me consider this first for the first time right now, Jay. Do you do you have thoughts on uh, John Collins to the Celtics? I mean, he'd be a really interesting fit, and I think he's really grown as an all around player. Uh, and I, I respect, uh, even though he's, I guess he's complained a couple of times, but I respect how he, like his role has shrunk. They've, they've gone out and signed other guys and he's just kind of kept plugging away, kept plugging away. Um, I just don't know if there's a trade there between those two teams. I, I've become a John Collins fan though. I wasn't always a John Collins fan. I, th- I thought he put up empty stats for a while, but I, I've become a John Collins fan um, but yeah, I, I just, I just don't think there's a trade there, unfortunately for the Celtics. Yeah. It just doesn't really, it just makes way too much money. And I feel like it just doesn't, I think he's a solid player. Um, I don't know. The Hawks are playing some pretty solid basketball as of late. And so I don't know if they, um, are really in the market. I know they probably want to get rid of Clint Capella. Um, probably try to get rid of Gallo if they can, but he only has two years left on his deal. Uh, so I've heard some John Collins rumors. He is the highest paid player on that team before Trey Young's extension moves in. I just don't know what the Celtics have to really give the Hawks right now, unless you're just giving up Al Horford and a bunch of draft picks. Um, so, you know, it, uh, you don't need to know who Bobby Kremens is to come up with a bad trade idea. That's I think that's the lesson that, that we. That wasn't a bad trade idea. I know I felt bad as soon as I said it. Uh, it wasn't even his idea. He was just regurgitating someone else's bad idea. Yeah, god damn it. <laughs> Let's the go. Man, the man answered your derivative question, and then you just insult him. I didn't mean to insult him. That's up. Hand up. That's on me. That's a Schween move. Uh, I'm not trying to do that. Uh, but we don't um, say that word on this podcast. <laughs> I just did. I'll continue to say it. Uh, let's go to Aaron E. A. A. Ron, come on down. You're the next contestant on anything is potable. <laughs> hey guys, uh, I have a question about Ennis Cantor. Um, just curious what his contract situation is, and if they can, you know, just dump his contract, um, you know, in just kind of like a contract dump situation, or if there's you know, he needs to be a throw-in or a more complex deal or uh, what the situation is with him right now. You are uh, really trying to get rid of my <laughs> I love this question. Just absolutely no, just get Ennis off this team. Lucky for you, A.A. Ron, Ennis is on a one-year veteran minimum. 
He can just be – he could be cut tomorrow if, if they wanted to. Uh, he could be thrown in in any deal. There's no reason to keep Ennis Freedom around this team. Uh, he's, he's – you could part ways with him uh, like that. Uh, it's more likely, uh, according to the Athletics' John Hollinger, that they trade Bruno Fernando to get under the tax. But if they wanted to save an extra – $900,000, they could just trade Ennis to get out of the tax. Maybe Ennis wants to join with a team that will allow him to express his political beliefs. Remember earlier in the season where Ennis said the reason he wasn't playing was because he expressed his uh, political views on China and Ime benched him for it? That was fun. That was good times. Good, good times. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great call. Just, just someone obsessed with getting Ennis off the Celtics. I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, he doesn't really play anymore. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I have no connections towards Ennis. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I'm all for asking the right questions. You know, it is, sometimes it's not about solutions. It's about uh, asking questions here. And I think uh, our listeners, as evidenced by the last 20 minutes, ask excellent questions. We got a Bobby Kremens reference. Uh, we got a math teacher we got other math uh, problems being solved. We have no one who will admit to being high or intoxicated, even though it is uh, after midnight here on the East Coast. Yeah, we got so, a math, math denier. Yeah, math sucks uh, is uh, also a, a sentiment we heard tonight. So we really – this is probably the reason why we are the best Celtics podcast because we give it to you from all angles. We, uh, we got one more caller, bro. Whoa, wow. Popping up late. Oh, it doesn't even see it. Robert K. Robert Kraft complaining that Ra, Tom Brady did not give him a proper shout out. Robert K. How's it going? Robert. Sorry for that wacky intro. It's after midnight. I don't. I'm just kind of playing fast and loose with the, with the talkie talk here. But Robert, are you there? So remember when you said that thing about where intoxicated people should remember that they need to unmute themselves? Oh, you got got. You got got, Robert. I got got. got. Uh, Another high floating. Nope. Uh, Glass of wine in Chicago. Um, But big fan of the podcast. And also even bigger fan of Jalen Brown, which is why I'm trying to speak now. Um, one didn't seem like he was super involved at the end of the game. And it seemed like there were a couple instances where Tatum drove and then just whether he was in his head, whether he was still angry at the ref, didn't look to kick to Brown, who was open on one of the wings. And then two, what are some of the things that you think Brad could do to make sure that Brown is happy at the end of the season? Because even though I think my Brown jersey's cursed, I'd still love him to stick around. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, man. Uh, I think that was probably a reference to Steve Bullpet's story at Heavy.com where he wrote that something like if if things go poorly, maybe Jalen would reconsider whether he wants to be on the Celtics or something like that. Um, I I do think that's, that's obviously a risk for the Celtics. And not just not for any like crazy reason beyond they've basically been 500 for one plus one and a half seasons now, although they've they've gotten out of that rut recently. Um, And he's an all star who has dealt with a lot of criticism and and heard, you know, just he's 
he and Tatum have, have gone through a lot, I think, the, this past season plus. And so it would be natural for someone in his position who is an all-star and whose team is has been pretty average to near the end of his contract to think, okay, what else, what else could I consider? Um, so th- that, I, I don't think that that report was a surprise. Um, like that's just how it goes with stars in the NBA. Once you get within like a couple years of the end of their contracts, then guys can start to think, okay, what's next for me? And I think the Celtics can change that by playing better. <laughs> like, like that's that's a pretty easy fix. Just play better, surround him with with good talent that will support him, and will continue to to foster his growth. And I think if if the Celtics win more games, then all of a sudden the pressure on him and Tatum and the the blowback on him and Tatum isn't isn't nearly as big. And, and that could be important. Um, and I do think that some of the issues, especially early in the season, they, they've pl- played better of late. But some of the Celtics' issues were that Tatum and Brown weren't, weren't quite ready to be the one and two yet. And, and I think they've gotten better at that as the season has progressed. I think Jalen, despite his turnovers tonight, has, has grown in reading the game and being more willing to pass and trying to get guys involved. And I do think... He and Tatum will both benefit from the experiences they've been through this season and last season. Um, but yeah, that that would be like my to to keep him happy, like win more games, and and I think that like that's that's the easy path um, to to making him and anybody else on the team happier because it's been a frustrating season plus for the Celtics so far. Wow, that's some some wise and sage words from Jay King right there. Winning makes everything better uh, for the Celtics. I just, as someone who read the uh, bullpet article in the last, uh, I would say, minute and a half, I'm going to dismiss it as uh, pure scuttlebutt. Uh, it just seemed like uh, bullpet, amazing reporter, very well connected, but it seemed like uh, a lot of that was kind of the opinions of maybe two or three uh, if that evaluators of, and who knows what that actually means. I don't think Jalen Brown is necessarily upset. We got people, people tweeting at me being like, read into these Instagram posts or things like that. Um, I think Jalen's playing some pretty solid basketball, especially over this last kind of uh, hot stretch for the Celtics. He's had over 30 points. Um, I think three times at, uh, so far, or only in 29 against the heat, but it's been very solid, and I thought he did a, a, a pretty – despite the turnovers, which is still something I think he needs to control, having six assists tonight I think was huge for him. And then he hit that huge shot late um, over Terry Rozier. I love uh, just doing the too small thing. I think it's a, a very overused celebration, but for some reason I just know that there's probably a history of just shit-talking that goes back and forth between Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier, so I think uh, I always like to see that. But Jalen made – Solid. He made some winning plays tonight, got his second charge of the year, got that big offensive rebound and put back. I don't think you really have to worry about Jalen Brown right now. Um, And Jay is ultimately right, like winning cures everything. One thing I've noticed about him too, uh, it's it's impressed me, um, 
and it's probably just maturity. Like he's he's getting older, but like when he first came into the league, he he said some really brash things, um, <laughs> calling out Kyrie in front of everyone, and came off no, but just like a, just the confidence wise, um, like like when he the day after he was drafted, he said something extremely cocky. Um, I forget <laughs> what it was, but he's been like really self aware and really accountable this year. And and through the Celtics troubles, he's he's been probably the guy who holds himself most accountable. I think he's also hosts the the team accountable. Abby Chin was saying during the broadcast that he's been like one of the more vocal guys on the team, uh, especially recently, uh, of like really trying to step into that leadership role. Um, yeah, I've I've been really impressed by the self awareness, like. He came out after the Atlanta game. He's like, I, I need to stop my turnovers. That loss is basically on me. I turned the ball over way too much. It was my fault. Um, and there were other times when he discussed Emi Odoka earlier in the season, and he said, I think it, it was something like, yeah, I appreciate Eme sticking with me when I keep making the wrong reads. And it's like there's a, there's a self-awareness that Jalen Brown has that he knows, like, I don't think he blames all all the problems on himself, obviously, but he he understands like I need to grow in these areas for us as a team to improve, and so I I've been impressed by by that growth in him, by that maturity in him, because I don't think at least he he never shared that self awareness with I think he's always been coachable. I think he's always been obviously like a guy who who works on his craft. Um, but this year he's been extremely, extremely accountable more than more so than probably anyone else on the Celtics. And I think, I think we all can learn from Jalen Brown. If you want to impress Jay King, be self-aware. Self-awareness is really one of the most important uh, qualities, uh, someone can have, because if you're not self-aware, uh, then you just are unaware of your impact on others. And that's a kind of a selfish move. Yeah, so that's, that's why I like to say I deserve a hero among us award <laughs> for, for being for being the most self-aware beat reporter uh in I'm the cheetah garden I am aware that I am worthy of that award that I'm a hero. <laughs> oh man J King a hero among us uh at least maybe not in the eyes of the Boston Celtics but in the eyes of anything impotable I'm absolutely giving you the first Hero Among Us Award. And I think I, I think you'll continue to win this award uh, each and every week just because of your heroic performance. Uh, I mean, no one's probably even left the TD Garden right now. You're just sitting there in like a one of those weird auxiliary rooms right now. I'm podcasting. at the podium. I'm at the press conference. Podium. Oh, wow. Uh, a true hero among us belongs at the top of the podium. So podium game for the kid. We've learned many lessons here tonight, folks. Um, we learned to... I already forgot the name of that Georgia Tech head coach. What's his name? Bobby Cremens. We learned who Bobby Cremens was. We learned how to do uh, basic mathematics. We learned uh, that Jay was heroic. And we learned that self-awareness is important. And finally, we learned that uh, many of our listeners are uh, often intoxicated when they're listening to us. And so I think it's been a good night for all. And uh, um, I wish everyone uh, a good night. I don't even have anything as potable sign-off. I just... Uh, it's been fun and uh, we'll join you next time as the Celtics continue winning. Thank you guys for listening to us here on anything is potable.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.